Here's what's coming up on today's show. They allow a lot more flexibility in terms of being able to go to any doctor you want to. And the great thing about them is you pay your monthly premium. And then essentially after that, you don't have any other out-of-pocket costs other than maybe your Part B deductible. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial in the San Diego area, and Thomas O'Connell, president of International Financial Advisory Group, Inc. in Rockaway, New Jersey. Together, they'll be keeping retirement happy from coast to coast. Welcome back to another episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm your host on the West Coast, John Amarino, and I am joined, as always, by my host on the East Coast, Tom O'Connell. Tommy, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. It was a great Labor Day weekend. How are you, sir? Good. It has been hot, hot, hot here in California. Um, are those fires near you? We, we've had a couple in the county, none uh, too close to our house, but it okay, is fire good. season with the, the Santa Ana's and the high winds. But it, I mean, it was, it was, uh, Jake had a tournament we didn't do good. So I'm not even going to talk about it, but it was about 102, 103 degrees. As a matter Oof. of fact, one of his friends that plays on the younger team almost had a heat stroke from catching. So definitely, uh, the uncomfortable time of the year for weather. Well, now we're in the fall. Hopefully you guys get some cooler weather like we're getting now. Yeah. For us, it's going to be probably about mid-October. So, but good. Well, today's show, folks, we have another phenomenal guest speaker for you today. And uh, as Tommy said, it's the changing of the season and it's an important season coming up for a lot of people. It's open enrollment time coming up. And so our guest today is a Medicare and health insurance expert. And uh, I've known Pam uh, for just uh, a couple short years. She just moved into the San Diego area, but was recommended highly to me by a person who actually came into my office. So uh, very, very knowledgeable. She is the president and CEO of Benefits by Design. Uh, Her office is located here locally in Carlsbad, California, and she has more than 25 years of experience in corporate healthcare, uh, working in all segments, small group, large group, national accounts, specialty products, and of course, what we're going to be talking about today, Medicare. She also uh, is a member of the National Association of Healthcare Underwriters. So we are very excited to have Mrs. Pam Morton on the show. And this week's guest, the president and CEO of Benefits by Design, it's Pam Morton. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you very much for having me to the show today. Welcome, Pam. We're excited to have you on. For sure. Thanks for coming on, Pam. So, Pam, as I mentioned, it's Medicare season. Um, Before we begin, just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what got you into the industry. Well, thank you so much for um, the introduction, which really covers a lot of um, my background. But I have uh, a, a total of about 30 years experience, 25 years on the corporate insurance um, healthcare side and five years as an agency owner and broker of, of benefits by design. 
And while I was at Anthem Blue Cross for a number of years, I worked in the Medicare group department, and I was part of the the team that worked with the um, the formulary committee and the products committee. And I really have a lot of deep background about Medicare products, so I'm happy to share my knowledge with everyone and. Very happy to be here today. All right. Well, th- we're excited to have you on. And, uh, you know, as our listeners always know, we're, we're always looking to bring the best and brightest in the industry. And, and Pam is definitely one of those people. So, Pam, let's just jump right into it. I know the number one question that you told me you get is, when should I enroll in Medicare? Absolutely. For people who are already retired um, before the age 65 and already collecting Social Security, the, all of those folks should receive a Medicare card in the mail uh, prior to their 65th birthday, maybe three months or so before their birthday. Um, but for people who are still working up to about age 65, you need to actually go on to uh, socialsecurity.gov, go into your local Social Security office, or go online and sign up for Medicare. Uh, the timing on that um, is really about a, a two months in advance uh, prior to when you want to be covered by Medicare because it does take some time uh, being such a big system, Medicare system, for them to process your uh, request uh, to get started. But also if you are, uh, if you have been working, they, you may have a, a form that your employer would need to fill out and uh, turn that back in before you can get your Medicare started. So uh, really, when people ask me that question, when should I get started in Medicare? I say it really depends on your situation. So um, if you don't get your Medicare card in the mail, then, you know, take some proactive measures uh, to go ahead and get set up. Um, now, on the other hand, if you are going to continue to work for an employer that has more than 20 employees, you are supposed to stay on your group health insurance. Uh, you can take Medicare Part A, but you should delay taking Medicare Part B until you actually retire or are no longer on a group health insurance plan. Out here in New Jersey, I, I'm assuming it's pretty standard across the board, but um, some of those plans, those uh, group plans, even if you are 65 or older, will flip over to a supplement plan or is there uh, an, uh, like you were saying you have that if you have 20 or more employees in a group plan does it have to stay the regular coverage that's a really good question actually it doesn't usually just flip over usually you have to make an active um, election in a new plan and not all employers that are allowing uh, people who are over 65 to remain working they're not going to offer a group retirement benefits for you. So that's really maybe the first question is finding out if you will be entitled to benefits um, after you're no longer working. But while you're working is really what I was talking about because, um, and, you know, just maybe to add a little bit to that, sometimes the, uh, the prescription drug coverage that's included as part of your plan is not considered credible coverage. Um, which would be equal or better to what the Medicare Part D prescription drug plan coverage is. And so you want to make sure, in addition, that the coverage that you have through your employer is considered credible. Well, that's that's really important. Now, Pam, in that opening area of knowledge that you've given us, you mentioned a couple parts, Part A, Part B. 
and, and Part D. Can you just briefly tell uh, the listeners the difference in those three and or what they stand for, really? Sure. When you're working, all of your medical insurance and your prescription drug coverage is all included in one plan. Once you get to Medicare, they break it down by parts. So Part A is considered hospital insurance. It includes hospitalization, skilled nursing, uh, some pints of blood, few other benefits, but mostly benefits that you would have in the hospital. Uh, Part B of Medicare is really for outpatient services. So your doctor's visits, your crutches with your durable medical equipment, your physical therapy, your lab tests, really services that are delivered outside the hospital setting. And then Part D of Medicare, uh, D is for drugs, uh, is the Medicare prescription drug plan, all separate. Great. Now, so we got, we've got the parts of Medicare and we got when you should enroll. Now, you, 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 you've made some comments about, hey, you have to make sure you do this, this, and this. What happens, and, and this is really a very crucial moment for a lot of listeners, right? Um, you just can't ignore what she has said in the previous seven minutes. Oh, I'm working. I have health insurance. Because if you don't enroll when you're eligible at this age 65, like you said, what happens, Pam? Well, if you don't enroll and you're not going to be eligible for a special enrollment period because you're coming off of a group plan, and if you wait up to a couple of years to sign up for Part B of Medicare, then you'll have to pay a 20% late enrollment penalty, which is 10% for each full 12-month period that you could have been signed up, um, plus what the standard Part B monthly premium is. So the penalty can be pretty significant for Part B of Medicare. And in Part D of Medicare, the penalty is 1% of the national average premium for the rest of your life. And fortunately, the Medicare Part D monthly premiums are not very high, but a penalty can make it cost almost double what it normally would. So even for people who do not take any prescription drugs when they first are eligible for Medicare, I would recommend that they sign up for uh, one of the prescription drug plans available in their area. They can cost as little as uh, less as $10 per month. So it's not, can, it's not a detour. And then you can, as time goes on, you, you can always change that, correct? Yes. You have the opportunity to change your Medicare drug plan once a year during the annual enrollment period. And again, Another key point, though, is, you know, those late enrollment, those penalties are lifetime. They're just not, oh, 1%, 10%, you know, one time 10% penalty. That is for the lifetime of your Medicare benefits. So we want to make sure we're not missing that period, right? That's right. And another thing to add on that I did not mention previously is that some people think that they, if they go on COBRA, the continuation of benefits um, from an employer plan, that that will um, not have, they'll not have to pay a penalty, but that's actually not correct. So um, if you go on COBRA and you do not elect Medicare during your um, initial enrollment period, you could also um, have, have to face a penalty. So it, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense, folks, for everyone to pay attention. Uh, you know, John and I are all about bringing value and, and helping you keep more money in your pocket. And this is this this sounds like uh, it's an easy one for people to miss. Definitely can be. So, Pam, um, 
there, uh, I, we do have a lot of clients who uh, do continue working or, or, or get a pension and they have their required minimum distributions and their social security benefits. And so some of these folks make a pretty good amount of money uh, even during the retirement years. So can you maybe break down a little bit the different cost structures of, uh, of Medicare for the clients? Sure. The uh, Part B premium for an individual who makes less than $91,000 a year is $170.10 this year in, in 2022. And that number for couples is $182,000. So if your income from your investments or wherever your income is coming from is over that, then you will have to pay an increased amount for your Medicare Part B premium as well as the Part D as in drug premium. And Pam, how do they base the income uh, for the, and again, uh, I think uh, all of our listeners know we're straight shooters. Medicare premium is a tax. That's just, that's exactly what is it is. It's just the Medicare tax. People being, their premiums are increased based on their income. So uh, in Tommy and I's book, that qualifies as a tax mm-hmm. and is a tax torpedo for retirees. So how do they figure out what your premium is going to be for the current year? Typically, they'll do a two-year look back at your taxes. And so if you're in a position of just retiring when you get Medicare and you'll no longer have the the same income that you've had previously, then you really want to notify your your social security office or social security that your income is changing and ask them how you can get that adjusted. Yeah. And that's a huge piece of advice because both Tom and I have done that with clients. We've had some high income earners uh, that were at that top tier of social security or uh, of, of Medicare taxation, and they were paying, you know, 500 bucks a month plus for these Medicare premiums. And when they went and they petitioned, uh, like Pam said, to Medicare, they actually got it reduced down to those lower one or two levels. And, and that was, you know, that was a couple hundred dollars a month. So y- you take that out over the 12 month period, they're saving themselves three, four, five thousand dollars. That is not chump change, folks. And then, and then you take that out over 10, 20 or 30 years of retirement, then you're definitely talking about not chump change. You're talking about five and six figures that, that you, the listener, get to keep in your pocket that the government doesn't get to have. Yeah. And, and again, going back, because taxes are the way to Tommy and I's heart, Pam made a great distinction when she was talking about the the lower rung premium rates, $91,000 for an individual, $182,000 for a couple, right? The the taxation, if you go $1 over, boom, you go into the next tier. There, It's not like a, an, a marginal tax bracket where you just pay tax on that $1. You go into the next tier and the next level of Medicare premium. So, you know, it, it's again, real important to understand that uh, especially if one of your ho- your spouses has healthcare issues, the difference in your taxation for Medicare if one of you dies, because you're going to qualify for married filing jo- jointly in that one year, but in the next year, that what we call the widow's tax or one of the elements of the widow's tax is going to happen. 
And all of a sudden, you know, if maybe you and your spouse had $120,000 a year in income and you were right in that first tier, well, now all of a sudden you're over that tier by $30,000 and you're paying more uh, individually for Medicare. So keep that in mind, folks. And somebody might say, well, John, how does that happen? Well, if you think about it, the only thing that couple might be losing is one person's social security benefit, right? If they're getting a pension, then if they have the survivor option, that income is still coming in. One of their social security benefits are still coming in. If they have large IRAs or 401ks, those required minimum distributions are still going to be coming in uh, at some level. So, uh, and Pam, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're talking about all taxable income, correct? That's correct. So, so off the top of my head, the three that I can think of that wouldn't affect the social security premium or tax are loans from life insurance, income from Roth IRAs, and income from reverse mortgages. Are there anything, is there anything else out there that people might be able to utilize to help reduce their taxable income? That's, that's not really my area of expertise. So okay. I'll leave that to you guys, okay. the uh, well, I meant investment for the professionals. Secure, yeah, well, I meant for the Medicare equation, but okay. Uh-huh. But I agree with you, Tommy. I'm glad you do. <laughs> <laughs> so Pam, so we've talked about the enrollments. We've talked about the parts. Um, now, you know, with part A and part B, it doesn't cover all of your medical benefits. It's going to cover about 80%. So you're going to have a 20%, what we call uh, Medicare gap. And there's essentially two crossroads, I guess, that uh, clients can take. They can either take the Medicare Advantage, where, you know, we see the Joe Namath commercials and uh, around this time of the year, or they can take the Medicare supplement route. Can you tell us the difference between the two? First of all, don't listen to the Joe Namath commercials. They're not accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) Uh, Yes, um, a Medicare Advantage plan is sort of like an all-inclusive vacation, if you want to look at it that way. It combines your Medicare A benefits, your Medicare B benefits, and usually your Medicare D benefits. Um, Medicare Advantage is also known as, as Part C of Medicare. And so really anything that's considered necessary, uh, medically necessary by Medicare is going to be covered under one of those plans. And the way that they work is that Medicare compensates the insurance carrier for each person who's in the plan, regardless of how many services they use. And then the Medicare Advantage plan's job is to manage those funds uh, for each individual and for their block population that they have in their plans. And so a, a person who is perhaps, you know, 68 years old to 70 years old, Medicare might pay the insurance carrier, let's say $1,000 a month for each person, regardless of whether they use the services. But um, if they have some medical conditions, then the uh, health insurance carrier will, will get paid more uh, for that. The trade-off with the Medicare Advantage plan is that you do have to choose a network of providers and whether it's a it's an HMO network, a health maintenance organization network, or a PPO network where you could essentially go to any provider you wanted to, but just pay more if you got a network. Those plans are very comprehensive. Uh, they are rated by the county that you live in versus how old you are and uh, your date of birth or your date of birth, basically, in your location. Um, so 
They're great plans. There's over 50% of people in the United States now that are in some type of a Medicare Advantage plan. But that deterrent really is that network for uh, for people who like to be able to go where they want to, uh, to see a, to see a provider. The uh, Medicare supplement plans are, they do not require that you go to a network. You can actually go to any doctor that you want to as long as they're a Medicare participating provider. They are age rated. They are rated by the area that you live in and they are uh, regulated by the the uh, government and the state that you're in. They allow a lot more flexibility in terms of being able to go to any doctor you want to. And the great thing about them is you pay your monthly premium. And then essentially after that, you don't have any other out-of-pocket costs other than maybe your Part B deductible. Right. And now, in that, whereas Medicare Advantage, you basically have little to no monthly premium, correct? It, it depends. The Medicare Advantage plans are, are becoming more expensive because they are offering uh, more PPO choice options and that increases their costs. So you see a pretty big variation anywhere between a zero cost up to maybe $100 a month cost. Pam, uh, here in Jersey, we do get a lot of, I guess, what we call snowbirds, right? So people mm-hmm. who during the summer are going to live in New Jersey, during the winter move down to Florida or some other southern state. Is the Advantage plan um, something that's appropriate for them, being that you were saying that your PPO or your HMO type of services is located in your county? What happens you know, if someone, again, you know, I'm here in Jersey, then for the, for the winter, I go down to Florida? The Medicare Advantage plans will only pay for emergencies if you go out of network. Unless you have a PPO plan, you you just pay more. If you need any follow-up services, let's say you were to break your arm while you're in in Florida or something, you could have the initial emergency room visit covered by your your Medicare Advantage plan as an emergency. But then if you need to go for physical physical therapy or a follow-up visit, that's not going to be covered by the plan. So it may not be the best option for people who are uh, snowbirds. Or, or for people who like to travel a lot, you know, whether they get, get in the RV and kind of go cross country to, to see, you know, the rest of the nation. Yes. Or for people who like to spend part of their year with maybe one family member and another part of the year with another family member. Now, what about, uh, Tommy, did you want to cover the Part D part? Sure. Well, let, let's talk about that real quick, if you don't mind, Pam. So sure. uh, that's the, uh, I guess that's kind of the newest part of uh, uh, Medicare, right? Uh, which came in in uh, the George Bush, the second era. Um, so how, how does that all break down? I, I, I can remember way back when, when it first came out, there was all that talk about donut holes and blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> I, I still don't understand it um, to a large degree. So maybe we can go through that a little bit. Sure. What I like to tell people is that Congress in their infinite wisdom set up a Medicare Part D prescription drug plan that's way too complicated really for anybody to understand. But the good news about it is that the pharmacy keeps track of all of the different tierings for you. So you have your initial coverage level, which includes what you pay plus what the cost of your drugs are. Then you have your coverage gap, uh, which used to be a really big gap and people had to pay for almost all the cost of their drugs when they were in the coverage gap. Now that's mostly covered between the Medicare Part D plan and then also the drug manufacturers. You could have a a small incremental cost in the gap phase and then you move on to the uh, catastrophic phase. 
uh, which is when you've spent more than $4,500 out of your pocket for prescription drugs for the year. The other good news is that the Medicare Part D prescription drug companies have, they keep track of the tiering system, but that's all done by the computer in the background. And you end up with something more like what you're used to, you know, so much money for generics, you know, so much copay for a brand name drug or a specialty drug. And these days, a lot of the generic medications uh, do not count towards a deductible. So that can be a, a good cost savings as well. Well, that certainly helps clear things up for me, Pam. I appreciate that. And probably for most of the listeners as well. Uh, I'm going to kind of segue into a different direction, if that's okay with you. Um, mm -hmm. What uh, One of the other confusing things that uh, uh, people seem to have is uh, when they when we talk about long-term care benefits, being in a nursing home or receiving a, a care at home, a lot of people are under the impression that all of that is going to be covered by Medicare. So let's get that straight for our listeners, if that's okay. Yes, what we're really talking about is a person's activities of, of daily living, things like bathing, dressing, getting help walking to the bathroom, things like that. Uh, Medicare doesn't cover that type of care that could be provided by a family member or someone that is unskilled in terms of nursing and is just more of a helper. And so that type of care is not covered at all by Medicare. When a person is transitioning from say skilled nursing to home, sometimes they will authorize a little bit of home health care to kind of get them started in their next phase or help them in their recovery but that care is only provided for a very short amount of time. And then it's up to the, uh, to the family or the individual to uh, make their own arrangements from there. There, there are some certain requirements, right? There's a, a hundred days that they have to be in the hospital after an admission, correct? The hundred well, days of coverage. Well, they'll, they'll cover oh, up to a maximum of a hundred days. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, sorry. I had that backwards. Right. Okay. But that coverage is, I mean, most people would not stay in a skilled nursing facility for 100 days. They're only going to allow you to stay there and be covered under Medicare as long as you are continuing to improve and that you still require the care that's provided in the skilled nursing facility. So that can be a lot shorter than what people might think it would be and make sure that you ask questions and you are notified when you are, when they're getting ready to no longer cover you, they're supposed to give you a five-day warning. Yeah. And you, you make a very good statement in that you, you've said it at least three or four times, skilled nursing. And let's, you know, and, and I've actually had this conversation. I was, I was just got done watching a segment on Medicare and long-term care coverages and uh, confirmed this with my wife that skilled nursing is a key. Uh, assisted living is not skilled nursing. Just like Pam said, home health is not skilled nursing. Um, there's different requirements for each. So it's really important that you understand the difference in those. And, and we're going to have some future guests on to talk about that. But the other thing I want to kind of segue off this or on this topic also is that if you're in the hospital, and, and I sent an article out, and I know, Tommy, uh, we've talked about this with clients in the past also, is you have to understand 
that you have to be admitted into the hospital to qualify for any Medicare coverage for uh, the skilled nursing. Observation does not count. And there was an, actually an article written by a long-term care specialist in which they had caught the situation in the ER room where the doctor was saying, hey, we're going to keep your mother here under observation. And uh, had that person not known to fight for admission, then the, the mother's skilled nursing uh, that she needed for a month would not have been covered under Medicare. Um, Pam, can you uh, confirm or deny that type of uh, report? Oh, that's, that's absolutely true. When a person is in, goes into the hospital in the emergency room, if they're going to keep you more than a few hours there to, to take a look at you, they may tell you very specifically, we're going to put you in observation. And that's when you want to fight for an admission because a person has to be in the hospital for three days before they can be transitioned to a skilled nursing facility. But more than that, that's not something that Medicare pays for. So you do not want an unknown bill coming your way for Medicare observation. Right. And, and Pam, I, I know when we, were, when we were talking before the show, what are some of the things that people have to be aware of with the hospitals? I mean, we're, we're, Tommy and I cut the BS out. We're in to get in our listeners, um, protecting them and getting them the best information possible. So what's some of the things that, especially with this, that they have to understand? I would be asking questions constantly of the providers of your care. What is the next step here? Do you anticipate that I'll be admitted or I'll be released tonight? If they say, we're just going to keep you here in the emergency room then you want to specifically ask it if you can be admitted because we know for a fact that some that the hospitals, some of them are incentivized uh, to keep the patients in Medicare observation status uh, versus um, admitting them. And that's not good for the patients. So in other words, they're, they're playing games with, uh, with the wording so that they can make more money. Unfortunately, Nobody yes. has to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say it. We'll, we'll say it in the form of we'll a question. Say, I'll say it. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, we're not sponsored by any hospital or doctor, so I really don't care whose feelings I hurt. Uh, just, I'm going to go back to those 100 days real quick just for my own edification. So would, are those 100 days of skilled care, can they be collective in multiple visits or does it have to be consecutive? How would that work? That's a really good question. They go by a benefit period. So if you are admitted to the hospital and then you go to skilled nursing and you go home for more than 30 days and you need to come back again, then they'll start the benefit period over again. Now, Pam, you had mentioned uh, Congress. Tommy and I are big fans of Congress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're, we're big believers that actually this probably nation's better when they don't get in session and make decisions. Um, but uh, we just had the Inflation Reduction Act come around. Um, so can we talk about how uh, D.C. and this act uh, is going to impact Medicare beneficiaries? Yes, there are several provisions uh, that are going to benefit uh, Medicare beneficiaries. One of them it's going to start in 2023, and that's for people who are insulin dependent. Uh, they're going to maximize the cost sharing to $35 per month 
uh, for people who need insulin. So for some people who've been paying significantly more than that, that'll be a huge help. They're also going to uh, require the federal government to negotiate prices for some of the higher cost drugs that are covered under Medicare. They're starting with the top 10 cost drugs and going from there. So it won't be each individual Medicare uh, plan negotiating for the cost of those high cost drugs. They'll have the benefit of um, having that uh, done at the federal level. So that, that will be good for Medicare beneficiaries. I think the most impactful one, though, is that um, eventually there will be a $2,000 cap on drug care costs for Medicare beneficiaries. Right now, uh, they have, as part of the standard structure for the for the Medicare Part D plans, that you can pay up to $4,500. And so those uh, folks who are taking very expensive medications for things like rheumatoid arthritis or maybe multiple sclerosis, you know, many other medications or treatments that are very expensive, um, having that capped at $2,000 a year is going to be fantastic for them. Those are just, those are just some of the things. One of, one of the things that you might find different in your experience this year, though, is that there's going to be a new requirement to record all the calls. And so even for a professional like myself, I will have to record all of my calls with my clients and hold on to those for 10 years in case government wants to hear them. Wow. I wish we could do that for our government people. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's some other things in there too, but those are some of the highlights. So uh, for the, how about the low income uh, subsidies? It, 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 has that been expanded as well? They are expanding the eligibility for low-income subsidies starting in 2024. And so uh, people who've been kind of on the line, whether or not they would qualify or not, uh, should see some easing of that. Now, so, you know, we spent the first uh, 35 minutes talking about, you know, what Medicare is for people, you know, who aren't enrolled, some of the costs, some of the things with long-term care, you know, Part D, and of course, this new act. But for our listeners who are already enrolled in Medicare, um, we're coming up on the annual open enrollment season, right? October 15th through December 7th. Um, Pam, what should people be doing during this enrollment period? The first thing I would do is watch out for any mailings that come from your Medicare uh, insurance providers, such as your Medicare Advantage plans, or your Medicare Part D prescription drug plans. They're required to notify you every year of changes that may impact you, whether it's changes to the benefits or changes to the cost. If you see a significant change in what you're currently paying, that's your clue to go and look and do your research and find out if that's still going to be the most cost-effective plan for you or not. In the last few years, I have seen some of the Medicare Part D companies eliminate a plan and where people might have been paying $17 a month for their plan, they're automatically switched to a plan that costs $99 a month. Meanwhile, that same company might have opened up a brand new plan that was very similar in cost to the plan that they had in terms of cost. So, th so that, that's one of the big things. And then um, for people who have Medicare supplements, it's not open enrollment. So I want to mention that you only have um, Medicare supplements really don't have an open enrollment. There's some exceptions in some states, 
So for people that have Medicare supplements, they should really be looking at their Medicare Part D plan and seeing if there's any big changes coming up and if they should um, look at some other plans. Or if you have your drugs, the medications that you're currently taking, if they've changed a lot since the previous year, then you should take a look at it again as well. Is there a big difference from, say, a company to company to company for their Part B plans that uh, it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Uh, so from an, uh, I'm making up one, I guess you have Anthem Blue Cross where you are and then say if uh, there was an Oxford or some, or some other insurance company, from plan to plan to plan, uh, are, there, are there a lot of differences or no? On the Medicare supplement plans, they're all standardized. And so if you, if you buy a plan F, it's going to be the same benefits as anyone else's plan F. Um, and with the Medicare Advantage plans, they're not standardized. They can be very different and they can all offer other different types of extra benefits like dental or vision or hearing aid um, discounts and things like that. So, um, so that's, that's really something to think about. Um, but with the Medicare Part D prescription drug plans, not only are they not standardized, all of those plans have a different list of drugs that they cover called formulary. And so it can make a vast difference uh, whether or not you have one plan over another and you really need to uh, work with someone or go to the Medicare.gov website and put your medications in if you've had a lot of changes and see if there is another Medicare Part D prescription drug plan that might be more cost effective for you because they're very different. Pam, you mentioned a lot of different little intricacies there. And, you know, like anything with the internet, we're, we're really kind of seeing even health insurance and Medicare be commoditized. And, you know, people can just go on and they can enroll by themselves. Um, but like with the financial industry, there's, there's a level of care that is just way beyond clicking and doing that. And can you really tell us why it's important for people to reach out to a Medicare professional like yourself to ensure they're taken care of? Absolutely. I, I think the first thing that I would advise is to work with someone who is a broker and not and not just someone who works for one single company. It's it's important to work with a broker that has access to all the plans that are available so that they can really take your situation. It's almost like putting it in a funnel. Uh, what are all of the things that are important to you? And then you just kind of follow it all the way down to the bottom, um, looking at different companies, looking at different um, features and benefits of the plans, and mostly um, discovering what cost and value is going to work best for that person. There's little tiny things that, that um, brokers like myself know that other people wouldn't know to look for. Um, uh, just a quick example would be that with the Medicare Part D drug plans, they have uh, regular pharmacies and they have preferred pharmacies. And you want to make sure that the plan that you choose has the pharmacy that you like to use in network and that it will be preferred because that would really save your cost. If you just went online and picked a Medicare Part D drug plan, you wouldn't know to look for that. Wow. Is that one of the, um, I, I would say, bigger mistakes that people you find people make when they try to do things like this on their own? 
It is the other big mistake that people make is that they just assume that whatever they have is fine for the next year, even if there's a big increase in cost, or maybe if they just love the, the service that they've been getting from that company. Uh, a lot of people will just, they'll pick the same Medicare supplement company and the same drug plan. And that's, that's never a good idea. You should always research them separately and find the one that has the best value and the best cost for you. Yeah. And, you know, Pam, I, I've talked to a lot of people, uh, whether it's been, you know, people who have come into my office or, or people that I've taught. And I know, Tommy, you've seen the same because this is one of the driving forces behind doing this episode and, and the open enrollment period is I'm shocked that a lot of people just kind of they have this on autopilot once they've enrolled the first time and they've got their Medicare Advantage, you just they just go about their business and there's no annual reviews. Even if they've got their their broker, they're not doing annual reviews. If they're doing it themselves, they're they're not doing the research you talked about. So can you, you know, that annual review, how imperative is it that people are are keeping on top of this uh, either by themselves or with a professional like yourself every year? The way I would look at it is that I like to ask my clients several questions such as, is the cost of your plan going up for next year? Is your plan name staying the same? Have your drugs changed? Um, did you get a letter that lets you know that that your drugs are going to be the same as they were last year, or are they going to change the tiering on you so that the cost might go up? You know, what, what kind of changes are you seeing? If someone says they're not increasing the cost of my plan, they're not taking any new drugs, and everything seems like it's fine. It's probably okay. But if just one of those things is out of place, that's when you really want to do an annual review. So just like in what we do for our clients, any lifestyle changes, any anything of that nature should be setting off a bell for somebody to say, hey, you know, let's sit down. Let's, let's take 20 minutes, half hour, hour, however long that review is going to take you. Because who knows what it could cost you. I mean, a one hour meeting with Pam could end up costing someone hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally, if they don't do this right. Well, Pam, um, you know, we really appreciate you coming on. And, and, you know, I think you really just said it best that like anything in retirement, whether it's investments, what's good for your family member, good for your neighbor, may not be good for you. It, it may not be the most appropriate thing for you. So I really liked how Pam, how you talked about tailoring the Medicare coverage specific to what that person wants and doing it in their best interest, because that's what Tom and I, uh, you know, that's the foundation. It's not about a specific product. It's about finding out what our clients, what their concerns, their goals are, and what they want to achieve and how to get there. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, for all our listeners, Pam is a wealth of knowledge. And if you are uh, enrolling, or, you know, you're at that time where you're going to start to have to enroll in Medicare, or if you're already enrolled, but you need an expert in your corner, Give Pam a call at 760-696-3573. She has an office located here locally uh, for our West Coast listeners here in Carlsbad, California. But for anyone in Tommy's area, you can give her a call. She'll get you help uh, in your area. 
You can also visit our website at benefitsbydesignca.com. That's benefitsbydesignca.com. And Pam, I really, I, I know we got you right before the busy season, and I know you're busy throughout the year. I really appreciate you spending uh, near 50 minutes of your time to come and educate our listeners. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I'd love to share my knowledge. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pam. We really appreciate it over here on the right coast as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's debatable. Anyways, (laughs) so folks, that's going to wrap it up for another episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. Uh, We talked Medicare today and here in the future, uh, we are going to be talking about long-term care in, in a couple future episodes. So we look forward to some more great episodes, some great knowledge sharing with you. Until then, enjoy your week and retire happy. Take care, folks. Thanks, everybody. It's easy to get in touch with John and Thomas. If you're more on the West Coast, give John a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. If you're more of an East Coaster, then call Thomas, 973-394-0623. That's 973-394-0623. And online at internationalfinancial.com. That's internationalfinancial.com. And you can, of course, always just check the description or the show notes section of today's show for all that contact information. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps, and we'll see you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM, Securus Financial, and International Financial Advisory Group are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Iamarino, Thomas O'Connell, and guests on this show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subjects covered.